0: Welcome to Fires on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and right in front of me again is Roy. Well, we're all staying alive out Dude. here. Ha ha ha! Staying alive. Rule five: Staying alive. You know, we're in the um, San Diego in California for the most part. Just got sent to the Colorado Rockies tier of COVID.
1: Colorado Rockies. Huh? It's
0: the purple tier. It yeah. is the purple tier, which means San Diego and the rest of California is in the Padres brown tier, which means we're just deep in the poo. So as long, but, but as long as we're not talking about purple, the purple dinosaur is just not
1: Barney. No, their, their cute mascot is all right.
0: The, the, we love yeah, Barney. That's fine. And you know the Colorado Rockies, their their social media team is fantastic, mm-hmm. and they love trolling Padres Twitter, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, we're staying alive, and we're here. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Rule Five that came out this last Friday, uh, the Padre affiliate update, and uh, the Will Savage article I thought was really good on the effects of minor league baseball and, and the changes that's going on there. But first of all, it's such a Padres thing. A young player that needed to have an impact winter league is having an impact winter league in Terso Ornelas and breaks his arm and is done.
1: Right. He was off to such a good start in the, in the Mexican league. Uh, he was crushing it. Because we, we haven't seen him for a year. Right, we last saw him in Lake Elsinore after he came back from the A.Z.L. and had a couple of good weeks, had a good postseason, and then no no season this year. <laughs>
0: God. wasn't wasn't in the alternate site. And if you guys hear that in the background, we don't have Sasquatch caged up; it's the dogs fighting. So <laughs> if you hear some rumbling in the background, it's not uh, it's not Sasquatch. But absolutely, he, and he had turned it around that last few weeks, and God, you know, it just got traded to the Mayos and I saw the tweet and it you know I had to translate it and it says he's been taken out for for this and you know you're thinking I don't know maybe you don't know well I saw it a Dennis
1: Leonard so in that tweet they said that he broke his ulna and it was apparent that he was walking off the field uh, while fielding Um, So it wasn't something that happened on offense. He didn't get hit by a pitch. So I'm assuming it was a diving catch or maybe a collision with the wall or another player. Uh, The ulna is one of the bones in the forearm. Um, He wasn't stabilized. They didn't like put a brace on him right on the field. So that tells me it's probably a non-displaced fracture. And I believe it was Dennis Lynn that reported that it was probably going to be like an eight week recovery. Yeah, Pretty typical recovery for a basic broken bone. Yeah. Um, the good news is it's a very linear recovery. He should come back full strength in no time, well before spring. Just the rotten part is that he misses out on a couple of months of reps of seeing really good
0: pitching. Absolutely. And 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 with the Rule five, you know, you kinda of want him to do well and get him put on the forty man, which I don't think he was gonna like they weren't gonna protect him, not because just he's not ready. And, right. and uh, you know, they, they gauged that. A.J. Preller and the Padres organization, they know what they're doing. They knew who they should protect, who kind of deserves to be protected, and who mm-hmm. is going to get picked and who's not going pick, to get picked. So you know what this kind of reminded me of was a couple years ago when Fran Mil- mm-hmm. Reyes
1: broke his hamate bone in the fall league, yeah. had surgery, uh, went through, passed through the Rule 5 draft, and then came back the next year and absolutely Crushed killed it, it yeah. at El Paso, earned a call-up. So maybe maybe this is a trend. Maybe we'll see Tierso have a really good start of the year. Hopefully in Double A, I'm assuming, um, and then
0: you go somewhere. Yeah, and you know, it was a scandal sp- when they didn't. When it was a kind of a big thing when he came to the Padres from Framil Reyes, right? When he came to the Padres, start tearing it up. And we we're like, oh my god! And they didn't protect this guy. Yeah, like they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and I'm sure. I don't know if organizations talk, but you know those guys know what they're doing. They know who's going to get picked, who's not going to get picked and what other teams are kind of looking for. But let's get to it. It's Tuca Pita Marcano, Reggie Lawson, and Mason Thompson were all added to the 40-man roster. Uh, they designated former Rule 5 uh, draftee Luis Perdomo for assignment, who which pretty much effectively ends his time with the Padres. I, well, not necessarily. Not so he's designated
1: for assignment. That means teams have an opportunity to claim him on waivers. If they don't claim him on waivers, then he can be assigned to the minor league to to a minor league team. So the Padres may retain him, keep him through rehab, and then we could see him a year or so down the road after he rehabs.
0: Yeah, because he just had Tommy John surgery, yeah? Huh? Right. Aye.
1: Yeah, right after the end of the <laughs> season. Yeah, it was weird because he was on the postseason roster. Yeah. It by all, I mean, you wouldn't have him on the postseason uh taxi squad if you didn't think that he was gonna be able to come up and pitch for you if he won and then like a week later, oh he just had Tommy John surgery.
0: Wait, what? Unceremoniously. Right. <laughs> well and and so with with Perdomo there was that flashes. You saw flashes of like, Wow, that's really good. And then but more so than not, you saw what what we came to see often was like he just get lit up he right. just, he didn't have it it would be, you know pitches in the middle of the zone mm-hmm. uh, but I'm stoked for Tuka Peter Marcano and Reggie Lawson both those guys are friends of the podcast and Mason Thompson the elusive Mason Thompson I, I wanted to get him on the podcast it just he wasn't in like Elsinore long enough right and he was on quite on our radar in uh, spring training back when we went but Tuka had a really good had a really good COVID camp I thought looked you know from what 700 yards Seven hundred yards away, yeah. And the six at bats that I saw him, he looked good. He looked, he looked, he looked really good. You know, the hits did come, but it was more like what he was holding. You know, just the at bats looked more professional. Right. Uh, he's still a, a year, easily maybe two years away at most. Um, he still needs to put weight on. At one seventy, he's still pretty thin. I think he's always going to be that thin. So if he gets to mm-hmm. one eighty, 180, one eighty five, I think that could be maybe the top weight for him. Well, he's a utility
1: guy he can play all around the infield. He started playing some left field, uh, at the end of the year in Lake Elsinore last year. Um, and in camp, he was playing left field. He's got contact ability. He has the, the understanding of the strike zone. He can recognize spin, And he has instincts. That was one thing that Dennis Lynn in his write-up, he pointed out, just the instincts that the guy has, that he's always thinking ahead on defense. He understands what the runner's going to try to do. The little things that you see Tatis do where he's reading a player's body language, the second baseman's going out to catch a lazy pop fly, and which way is his shoulder pointing? That tells you if he's going to be able to throw home or not. That's what Tatis is looking at whether he's going to take off from third base yeah. and Tuka has the same kind of decision-making process that I've, I've seen that on defense that he knows what's going on. He'll deke a guy. He'll mess with people a little bit and the guy's a competitor. Yeah. So he's going to be able to come up and, and contribute at some point. I could see him up by the end of this year, if he starts off really well, and then there's an opening that they need somebody to step in, say Greg Garcia uh, gets hurt. They need somebody for the end of the bench that can lay down a bunt. They can, they know they can put the ball in play because it makes there was an at bat where I think Will Myers was supposed to come at come up and they pinch hit Greg Garcia for him and uh-huh. it was one of these situations where you just need somebody to get the bat on the ball put the ball on the ground and make something happen and that's where Garcia was the guy for that yeah I could see Tucupita having a similar role for that because you know he can put the ball in play well t- talking about
0: his outfield so he played a little bit of outfield and I don't remember that it was in the postseason okay There's so no playoffs I, I, I don't remember seeing that in Elsinore but. Uh, but so this came from Dennis Lynn, and this is what uh, Sam Gainey said about uh, Tuki Peter Marcano. I think it's where the game is going. These guys are going to play multiple positions. The Padres senior director, Sam Ganey a player development, said, "Going back before that, he signed with us. He's always been a very good cliche baseball player. So he has he was able to pick up left field quite easily. So we continue playing that in uh, at COVID camp and at the alternate site. So." I love having those guys being that versatile.
1: Right. He came up as a shortstop. He's played plenty of second. He's got the arm for third base. So, adding a little bit of outfield ability, he's got he's got some wheels, so maybe mm-hmm. he could even play center. So, I mean, that's that's how the, you look at how the Dodgers are put together and it seems like they've got a dozen guys that can all play shortstop and center field. And so that gives them so many options yeah. throughout a game to be able to sub guys
0: in and out, move people around. Yeah, you put Chris Taylor behind the dish, and then you put him in left field. Didn't you put him at shortstop? Mm-hmm. A catcher that can play shortstop, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. And that's why the Dodgers, as I grit my teeth, you know, are so good. And that's and that has a lot to do with just development and how they develop players. But also Reggie Lawson, uh, you know, he had Tommy John surgery in March. One of those guys where you know – God, you just wanted him to do well. I just wanted him to have a healthy season. And he was until he got in, you know, until the injury came. Then he had the, the TJ, the Tommy John surgery. You know, he's going to be a re, like a number four, number five guy. L- let me read what Dennis Lynn wrote here. A reconstructed elbow ostensibly increases the chances that he settles into a bullpen role, though the Padres intend to bring him back as a starter. Eight months since the surgery, Lawson is said to be progressing well. He has not yet advanced to facing hitters.
1: Now, did you interview him in Lake Elsinore? Have you had a chance to talk to him in person? He was one of the...
0: I, no, I talked to Reggie Lawson at... He was with my first interview in spring training. Okay. When you weren't you weren't there yet. Because he's a very engaging, thoughtful guy.
1: He's got... He's one of these people that has a lot of charisma and it's just somebody that you meet and you spend five minutes around, and you want to see him succeed. He came to the uh, fan fest last year, yeah, and participated in that yeah. silly game where they yeah. put the thing in their <laughs> mouth and the mouth, yeah, that, that thing. But the guy was good natured. He had thoughtful responses to the to the questions and stuff. He, and because I asked him about his tattoos, and he was yeah. talking about all the tattoos that he's gotten, what they all mean to him, and I just
0: I like that. It's more than just well, I thought it looked cool. Well, I remember in his spring training, he was the first guy. Uh, they brought out to me and they're like Reggie Lawson. So he sits down in front of me and I'm nervous. I'm he's a big guy. He is. So I'm like Reggie Lawson. He's like yeah. I'm like oh okay, let's go. <laughs> 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 he just said my name like 15 seconds ago and you had to say it again. <laughs> yeah, I just had to make sure. Uh-huh. Um, but we'll, we'll see. You know, one of those guys where the, everyone starts as a starter. If he transitions to the bullpen, fantastic. But he will be a major league player. He will be a major league pitcher sooner or later. But here's the big thing is the Mason Thompson has just not been healthy enough, but apparently he killed it at the alternate or at Durant Instructs this year. Right, right. And that was fantastic to hear. This is what they read, what uh, Dennis Lynn wrote. Also his 2016 draft pick has battled injuries partly because of Thompson's lack of game repetitions. The Padres deployed him solely in relief during Instructs. Guinea compared the move to the one Jose Castillo made in 2016 transitioning from a minor league starter to a bullpen only option. Gini, not saying that anything has been settled about Mason, but it's kind of similar that Jose struggled a little to stay on the mound and his career kind of took off with us when he started throwing in those short bursts. Again, nothing has been settled. I think we just kind of used instructional league as an opportunity to get more looked at him and see him pitch with more regularity. A little bit how they did with Adrian Morajone. It seems True. like every time he would start, one, two starts, he's out. Mm-hmm. shoulder soreness and uh you know it's well documented we think that he it's it's he doesn't know how to pitch between soreness and injury so just getting him those reps you know mason uh, uh, those reps in the bullpen just way of getting him on the mound getting some innings under his belt and seeing what he's
1: got well now while mason while uh Morejon has he's got four full pitches and yeah. he's shown an ability to command them all and all of that stuff uh mason thompson is a little bit more of a of a two-pitch pitcher. He's fastball slider. The fastball can touch triple digits. The slider's a wipeout slider, and both of them, um, he's still developing command. So yeah. with Morajone, you look, and it's clear that there's a starter in that guy, yeah. and you just need to need to work it out of him. With Thompson, you can figure out how to get a short path to the majors just by, okay, focus on doing this and this, you know, inside, outside, fastball location. It's, it's an easier path to get him
0: healthy and and onto the major league roster absolutely and and with that then you can decide if he has that third pitch if that needs more development if we can make him do a starter well you, you
1: worry about that down the road right right you know so maybe he'll contribute this year and then in the off season you give him the time to try to stretch out and all that stuff so baseball america just put out an article of 19 mlb prospects who impressed scouts at instructional league in 2020 and what i'm curious about about this is that uh it, it was close to the media. It's close to the public. So I'm assuming it's only team scouts that have gotten a chance to look at these guys. Anyway, so they wrote about Thompson. The oft injured Thompson pitched in relief during instructs and dominated right-handed batters in one and two inning stints. His fastball sat 94-98 as his slider flashed plus at 88 to 90 miles an hour, and he commanded both pitches to the outer half of the plate. He struggled to command the inner half, and lefties saw him well. But his fastball and slider combination overwhelmed righties and resulted in dominant, efficient outings. So there are more righties than lefties in baseball. Yeah. So you see a right-handed reliever, and you know, there's an advantage to that. <clears throat> uh, but the fact that he can command to one side of the plate and not quite the other yet—that's something that you can work with. Yeah. yeah that's something that the right coaches—they can. That's just that's a mental thing. Well, and he needs reps. He has not had a lot of innings. Right. Right, yeah, he was up the first half of Lake Elsinore, and then they shut him down. And it's been the story of the last couple
0: of years. I think it was one of the. I, I remember being in, uh, talking to Tony Tarasco and like, hey, and I couldn't believe he answered my question. I'm like, where's May, where did Mason Thompson go? He so he went back to Arizona. Okay, all right, thank you. I'm like, you can't believe you answered that question.
1: Well, I, mean, I think in that case you were you were give you were asking a general question about right. just where did he go. That's a simple transit because. We've learned you don't ask specific questions about injuries. You know, if they want to volunteer information, let them. But outside of that, it's 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 rude to pry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So another. So let's move
1: on. So the Rule Five draft, we all talk about the major league phase of the Rule Five, and that's what what everybody kind of focuses
0: on. Real quick, can I stop you there? Yeah, I got a little ahead of myself. Yeah, let's give ladies and gentlemen, let's give them a definition of what the Rule Five is.
1: Yes. So, um, any player drafted at 18 years old or younger needs to be added to the parent club's 40-man roster. Any player 19 years or older needs to be added in four years. Um, The intent is to stop teams from stockpiling players. And the Rule 5 draft actually goes back from before there was affiliated baseball. This was an opportunity for the major leagues to purchase players from the minor leagues. Uh, And it... And so now now that there's affiliation, which thank you, Branch Rickey, for inventing the whole minor league affiliate baseball yeah. stru- system. Uh, so now this is an opportunity to keep teams because back in the days, the Dodgers used to have all of these minor league guys <laughs> because of the system the Branch Rickey set up. And then they would be able to hide people away. Um, uh, so a famous one is Roberto Clemente that they were trying to hide him. They weren't giving him a lot of at-bats. If he would get a hit early in a game, then they'd bench him, and they were really trying to hide him away from all the scouts. And then the the Pirates picked him in the Rule 5, and he went on to become one of the all-time great baseball players of all time.
0: And really? Yeah. I didn't know Roberto Clemente was a Rule 5 guy. I was going to say the most
1: famous Rule 5 guy that I know of. Johan Santana. Johan Santana. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And there have been a bunch of really notable, I mean, um, um, who was the uh, the, pit, the batter for the uh, Hamilton? Um, Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Yeah, he was a Rule 5 pick as well. And so there are a lot of guys that maybe early in their career, they're going through struggles, they're not developing quite on the timeline, and then they get picked, it's a change of scenery, and they bloom. Yeah. Um, so now, a friend of mine uh, on, on Twitter, Mark Bickerstaff, pointed out that, there's not just the major league phase. There's also a minor league phase. So we talked about the 40-man roster protecting players from the major league phase of the, the draft. But then there's also the minor league phase. There's a 38-man roster attached to the A team. So I keep refreshing the Pacific Coast League transaction logs, and I see oh. all the other teams, but I haven't seen the Chihuahua's uh, additions come up there. I'm expecting to see. So um, Pedro Avila and Lake Bacher are two guys whose names are coming up a lot. They're already on the Chihuahua's roster. Okay, Tirso Ornelas, I'm expecting to see his name to be added to that. So then they're not going to stash him. They're not going to take him in the minor league phase. Uh, So there's a long list of guys that are eligible. um, And I'll run down through them real quick. So Matt Batten... I, uh, Ivan Castillo, Esteri Ruiz, Eggy Rosario, Reynaldo I- Ilaraza, Justin Lopez, Jordan Barley, Taylor Colway, Robert Podorsky, uh, Tyler Benson, Agustin Ruiz, Jesse Scholtens, Caleb Boschley, Aaron Leeshert, Tom Cosgrove, Ignacio Feliz, Evan Miller, Darius Valdez, Fred <laughs> Schlichtholz, Brady Feigl, who was actually selected last year by by the Padres, yeah. Henry Henry, Austin Smith, Adrian Martinez, Wen Hua and Martin Carrasco. There's a lot of really good ball players in there that haven't moved up through the system as quickly as others Justin Lopez and Jordy Barley jump off the page to me because yeah. those guys are two athletic shortstops that a scout looks at and they go they, it just screams that this kid's got to got to turn into something and we gave Jordy Barley a lot of money
0: yeah and yeah. he is he is uh, an Almanzara Luis Almanzara Luis Almanzara those two guys have kind of have kind of floundered a little bit yeah he was eligible last year
1: and and passed through um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I have a feeling that when the draft finally happens, I think it's December 5th. I want to say it's the first week of December, right at the end of winter meetings, right. um, which the winter meetings are going to be virtual this year. There <laughs> is no in-person winter meetings. Um, we can go off on a whole tangent about right. that, um, <laughs> uh, so it's going to be interesting to see not just what happens. I don't think we're going to see any action on the major league side, but the what? minor league side, we may see a handful of these guys picked away by various teams. Ivan
0: Castillo is playing uh, for Escorihio. Yes, he is. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm surprised Estuil Ruiz or Agui Rosario aren't playing. Why aren't those guys playing winter ball?
1: It's early. So I wonder if, because as the winter, the, the, transa- the uh, rosters in the Dominican League change so much yeah, on yeah. a daily basis. So I wonder if we're going to see more guys added to those rosters because their season just got started.
0: Okay. And, I, and I've seen some of the higher draft picks uh, from other teams already bow out like guys. I can't remember their names, but like, oh, that guy, he just got put on the 40-man roster for, I think, Seattle. So they are the guys that are on there. They get put on the 40-man roster. They don't, oh, I don't need to play winter ball. Okay. So they yeah. want to protect them. So that makes sense. So let's move on to the Will Savage op-ed.
1: Yeah. So Will Savage is a former player. Um, and he wrote a really insightful article on the Athletic. Uh, it was about what MLB is going to lose by shedding minor league teams, and he was he was talking both on the the player side, but also on the community side, uh, because I mean, you think about like the Pioneer League—you got Montana and that whole part of the country that's going to lose dozens of teams, yeah—and so then people that. We're within an hour or two of being able to go see a pro baseball game. Now they have to drive like eight hours to get to Minneapolis or Seattle.
0: You know, and a lot of those leagues don't, I mean, they have some good guys. There, are Hunter Green pitched in Missoula for, Mon, for the Mon, you know, for the Reds affiliate. Right. Uh, for a whole season there. So it's not like these, some of these guys, you know, there's an the occasional, several of those guys are never going to make it. But occasionally you'll see someone that goes through there that's going to make it to the big leagues. True. Yeah. And so those, those teams
1: may become an um, in, uh, independent league ball or maybe like a collegiate wood bat league yeah. or something like that. But you lose some of the connection when it's no longer you know, the future Cincinnati Reds. And here's, you got one prospect that this, Hey, this kid was just drafted. Let's go take a look at him. Or you bring your kid to the game and they're you you see the Cincinnati Reds markings out there and then you go hey yeah these guys are going to be major leaguers someday and the kid can go get an autograph and that 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 sets that memory it does and you, you that's how you earn lifelong fans
0: and then someone in Montana could love a team from say Colorado or or wherever or Cincinnati right. or just out of nowhere they can follow that team and they become they buy merch they plan holidays they grow the game they play baseball themselves and maybe become draft eligible or whatever it's just it's the business model of building your brand by subtraction isn't a good look and and, and i know we've gone over this ad nauseum and everyone's turning it off now because they're just tired of hearing it and from a business sense it does make sense that they do that but i i just love what he wrote here you know minor niggas don't or expect world-class amenities. What they need is more than $3,000 a year to support themselves, and in many cases, their families. Uh, yet MLB insists world-class facilities at MILB expense, while refusing to provide a reasonable income for ML- at MLB expense, many of the players and coaches who s- will now face unemployment come from severely disadvantaged backgrounds. They've worked their whole lives to earn a job of professional baseball. They spend their days and nights traveling the county or the country on long, winding bus rides, FaceTiming their families on free Wi-Fi and hotel lobbies, and eating a McDonald's. World-class athletes eating a McRib sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was me. Uh, to send their remaining meal money back <laughs> Wait, home.
1: the world-class athlete or the eating the McRib? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is, I don't even know what that McRib is. Um, you know, it could be over. The same goes for MILB M- for office, staffers, scouts, athletic trainers, clubhouse managers. We've always seen several, you know, every organization has cut those guys. Um, the the uh, philanthropic part of the organization, I think, is also overlooked. A lot of these organizations have food drives throughout the year, have uh, th- used their facilities for voting, for, um, for just movie nights to bring for the p- communities together. Blood, blood drives. Blood drives. They use the, it's a and for small towns like Elizabethton, Tennessee, or Greenville, I think Greenville, South Carolina. Well, there's Greenville, South Carolina, and there's the Greenville, Tennessee. Um, I think that's a Reds affiliate as well, if I didn't mean to point at you. You know, it's a large part of their community is relying on what they do mm-hmm. uh, for their communities at large. And I'm not sure how much a Woodbat League is going to do that, you know, a collegiate Woodbat League. I'm sure they're going to need host families, and they'll do what they can. But there's there's a significant loss of a community partnership. That, there really is. That does that does happen.
1: So Will continues. He, he says MLB spends great quantities of time and money on efforts to quote unquote grow the game, both domestically and internationally. Yet it underestimates how much it will shrink the game by cutting thousands of minor league players and coaches each year, many of whom call Latin America, Asia, or Europe home. When these baseball lifers scatter across the gro- the globe to return home, their mere presence can be contagious. I learned this personally. So you think about how many how many former players go home and wind up working or starting a baseball academy, or they become an agent or a scout, yeah. or even if they're just coaching co- coaching kids. Right. You know, as a volunteer, they're going to coach you know, whatever little league is in Curacao. It, it, it does grow the, the game. And so now you've got a hitting coach in Missoula, Montana, and that job is eliminated. Well now there's one less guy that might go to Taiwan and and try to teach kids how to play baseball. Right. You know, or share some of that, oh wow, he played Pro Ball in the United States. That means something. Even if he never made it above single A ball, that still means something that somebody was a pro ball player to a
0: kid that's that's really cool. It does. There's in my brother's community uh, in Paris, Tennessee, there was a player I don't know his name. He came. He struggled through AAA, like got one start maybe, and got it maybe four or five innings. Literally, like one start blew out his arm, hung it up, and now he's a baseball coach for for the local high school team in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And that's going to bring that quality of a of a coach to a very underdeserved part, not underserved part of the country and could, you know, make that community better by just being, having a professional ball player be your manager, right. You know, coach for a high school team. Mm-hmm. I just had to throw that out there. My, my brother umpires in, in Tennessee and uh, he has all these stories, uh, you know, about, about stuff like that. And it's just, it, it's tough to see. And we're all going to, you know, in a several years, we're all going to be over it. It's all going to be back to normal. The water is going to calm down and life will go on. Right, but it's not going to be quite the same. Yeah, it'll be a little bit dimmer, uh, and particularly with you know minor league baseball moving to New York and having more control, it's going to seem and it may be better. We you know we may see nicer facilities. We mm-hmm. certainly saw that with Toronto and going into Buffalo. But you're right; it's going to be a little bit more corporate.
1: Well, and just in that right there, in consolidating the St. Petersburg office and you know everything operating out of out of New York. I saw on Twitter a bunch of people that I follow that do promotions, advertising, mm-hmm. marketing, yeah. whatever, and they're pretty much posting their resume on Twitter like, well, I guess I'm looking for work now. And these are good people that have been doing what they do for years. Yeah. And now they're on the outside looking in.
0: Well, and I'll tell you, we can move on right after this, is when, when I was getting ready to go to the winter meetings and contacting, see if I couldn't talk to Jeff Lance during the winter meetings, I was emailing his secretary or whoever the secretary for MILB was. And I was telling her my life story, and she was emailing back, and I was going, wow, that was really, you know, it was, I felt connected. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to get that with Major League Baseball, even if Minor League base, as Minor League Baseball we was in with Major League Baseball. That's nothing for nothing, but for me... I felt kind of connected, you know sure. what I mean?
1: <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, and this has me thinking back to the winter, the winter meetings last year and the Pebo that we, yeah. we went to that seminar before the day before. Uh, and I believe you walked around during the Pebo and talked to a bunch of people yeah. that isn't happening this year. So no. now here's all of these college graduates and young people trying to get their foot in the door. There are no opportunities now. And a whole bunch of those doors are closing
0: forever. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that, let's move on. Um, what has been reported by Baseball America is the Modesto Nuts, which is the high A affiliate for, I believe the Seattle Mariners, has identified as a single A ball club. Yes, it's not on their Twitter yet. It's still high A, but they reported that they are now an A affiliate, and you can see you can apply for a job there mm-hmm. on on the MILB website.
1: Yeah, I I saw that they posted a bunch of job openings and you can kind of read between the tea leaves and see that. So it sounds like the California league is going to move to regular class a, which we've talked about before at the same time, the Midwest league is going to become advanced class a. So essentially for the Padres, I hope that means that the storm and the tin caps are flip-flopping, right? Yeah. Just, they're just changing rungs on the ladder. Uh, but there's a lot of movement going on. Okay, so the Astros have reached an agreement with the Sugarland Skeeters. They're going to... The, 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 Skeeters? The Skeeters are going to become the AAA affiliate of the Astros. The Astros used to have a relationship with the Round Rock uh, Express, Express, which it sounds like they're going to become the Rangers AAA affiliate again. They used to be. Uh, it, it's It's kind of hard to keep all the shuffle going around. I find it interesting, though, that the Astros will have an ownership, skate, uh, an ownership stake in the Skeeters franchise, which we've kind of wondered about that Yeah, because you've got all these minor league teams that are hurting right now. For money. And now you've got major league that's, yeah, they were thin this year, but M- MLB's been riding fat on the hog for all these years. Right. So they can come in Uncle Moneybags. It kind of reminds me of uh, of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, how, oh, well, your savings and loans going out of business. That's a shame step in and buy an ownership stake to keep them afloat.
0: I never seen a wonderful life. So I, like, oh, right out okay. from my head. <laughs> so, so to become an affiliate from, from independent ball into actually a minor league affiliate, is very, very expensive. Yes. It's tens of millions of dollars. So I, so with them buying that stake, I'm sure it's like, okay, we'll pay your fee. And we'll you know we'll help you with the upkeep and whatever that that's part of the ownership, right? Because it's the Sugarland Skeeters
1: no. were an, interle- an yeah. international team. I um, wonder if the same thing is happening with Minnesota. I, I guarantee you. Well, and I don't know about Paul. the ownership thing. Right. Probably right. So with That'd that, the Saint Paul Saints are going to be the AAA affiliate of the Twins. The Twins used to be in Rochester, uh, so the Twins left Rochester, and then the Nationals are moving so, into then,
0: Rochester. Which finally makes sense.
1: It does make sense, yeah, because the Nationals are on the, on the East Coast, and they're trying to manage a AAA team on the West Coast.
0: Which was the Fresno Grizzlies, which is
1: probably going to be A-ball club. Right. It's kind of been in the in the works for a while. Because Fresno, it seems like nobody wants to be in Fresno. Everybody kind of hops. It's like the hot potato. It's the last one.
0: Yeah, because most of those teams are like so far away. Mm-hmm. And you have, on the West Coast, you have our seven teams on the West Coast, but we already got... All those teams are already partners are settled, right? Um, I don't know if it's the if it's the facility. I would think if it's going to be a trip, if it was a AAA affiliate and it turns to an A ball affiliate, what that's going to look like? It, you know, it I, probably I, has more to do with the facility, but it's also logistics and definitely logistics. But I am wondering yeah. if like you can have an A ball team in a AAA stadium and how nice of it. Like I think of AAA stadium, I I think of El Paso. It is just under a major league quality facility right i've been to the new tennessee uh uh the tennessee ballpark in nashville it's just under and it's a triple a team just under major league quality now i
1: don't have that note but the team whoever was in nashville they're leaving nashville
0: it was the rangers
1: oh there we go okay so the rangers are probably going to go to round rock and then that leaves a void in Nashville. So what's going to happen in Nashville? Are they going to become double A? Are they going to, what are they going to do? Because their stadium holds, I think, up to 11,000 people.
0: Yeah. And now there's brand the, new.
1: There's the talk about, uh, I guess, Dave Dombrowski and other people are in a group to try to bring Major League Baseball to Nashville. Nashville Stars. But that ballpark was built in 2015, and it doesn't look like you could upgrade it to a 40,000 seat facility for major league baseball you couldn't it's pretty hemmed in there so they're gonna have to do something it's right in the middle of downtown yeah so they're gonna have to do something in the in the short term i i, I can't imagine it's going to go to independent ball maybe you've got another AAA a franchise that's going to move in maybe they'll go to
0: double a i mean there's so much to so many moving pieces so this is what i'm thinking about with with the changes in the Padres' affiliation and i've said this a lot about how the management for each affiliate kind of fits where they are AC in in Fort uh, in Fort Wayne is very regimented. He and he said this on the podcast is like I make guys become professional ballplayers. I get them setting up routines. He kind of introduces them to professional baseball, Mm -hmm. and then high A, you get a little bit. You know, you get a little more. The leadership is a little bit different because it's a little bit higher higher vol. You know, a little higher quality ball, and you're kind of on your way to, for lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. which also Takes a not higher quality manager, but a different manager manager, with with a different kind of leadership skills and a different set of tools to kind of get those guys ready for double A. Um, I wonder if because Doug Bockler was released, and I don't mean to just go off, he was gonna be the pitching coach. coach. Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna have just the same management, you know, the same organization. Help me out here, the same. Coaching staff? Thank you. Yeah. You know, in, in Lake Elsinore, because I think it was a Mike McCoy that was going to come down from Tri-Cities to be um, the Lake Elsinore Storms right. manager. And a couple of those guys, I think they, another guy from there as well. But it was really, I was, I'm looking forward to talking to Mike McCoy. Yeah.
1: Well, so the other angle that I, that I thought of was that, so in Fort Wayne, you don't have host families. There isn't that uh, community group uh, like the Booster Club right. associated with fort wayne they have a booster club but they put together like travel packs for the guys to go on the road it's a little different the kids the, the players stay in uh apartments so they have they've arranged a deal with the apartments so they can get cheap apartments it's like across the street it's like a quad apartment so you got four guys and they're sharing a kitchen and whatever so that's a that's kind of more of a dormitory setting right. where in lake elsinore You've got all these host families, so especially with the Latin players that are new to the culture, it's a little bit of a soft landing, that you've yeah. got a family, you've got a place for them to come home to, it's a safe thing, You know, they're going to figure out the logistics of getting you to and from the airport and all this stuff, they really have that tied up, so I feel like that's better for supporting the younger players, while Fort Wayne... Being in a dorm, that's kind of a little bit more more years older, right? More, a little, little more mature. Yeah, played a
0: couple, maybe one or two seasons already in pro ball. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I,
1: well, well, who knows it, if there's <laughs> anything to that? We're probably reading way more into it than there is.
0: <laughs> well, and and uh, I saw this on Twitter and it made tons of sense. All these new guys that come from the Dominican Republic starting Fort Wayne, like April, May. April, May is still freezing cold. Oh yeah. So to have these guys, if and if it happens, have these guys. Start their professional career, you know, out of the complex into Lake Elsinore mm-hmm. where it's you know warm during the beginning of the season. Yeah, it may may do a little bit better. Sure. So
1: while we're on A-ball, I've heard that the Northwest League. Okay, so you're talking about the Mariners. Yeah. The Mariners also announced that Everett will be a, I believe it was a high class A team. And Everett is right on the I-5 corridor, not far from Seattle. It's part of the Northwest League. Yeah. So the idea thrown out, and Kevin Charity pointed this out to me, is that there's a half dozen teams that are on the I-5 corridor, and the thought is that they're going to become some sort of, a, of an advanced Class A league.
0: He also said there was six people, or sorry, six teams, right. which might leave out Tri-Cities because Tri-Cities was on the original yeah. list. It would leave out Tri-Cities, Spokane, and Boise.
1: And maybe one more, because off the top of my head, I know that you've got uh, Eugene, Salem Kaiser, Hillsborough, Everett, and Vancouver. Yeah. And so there's got to be one more in there somewhere. But those other teams, I mean, because the drive from Portland out to, um, to Tri-Cities is like eight hours. Yeah. And so a lot of those sprints, So last time we were talking about the change in travel regulations and a, a trip of more than like hundred miles is going to require an overnight stay, and if it's more than a certain amount, they need to have a travel bus, a or second just, bus with yeah. a sleeper cabin, and all of that gets expensive. If it's more than like three hundred fifty miles, they have to travel by air. Yeah. So traveling from Boise to Vancouver, it's like a fourteen-hour
0: drive. There's no way. Oh, also, but here's another thing: is is Tri Cities, the Geaster Stadium? They just put like I think a million dollars in that. did they yeah they just did a huge amount i know that eric martin's eric the peanut guy has his own bobblehead life size um i know that they've done i think a million dollars worth of upgrading that organization or that that stadium the facilities there i wonder if that was public funds that went into that very good question i don't know but i saw that on twitter and Hmm. um real quick so a lot of that came from kevin charity and him and mark wilkins from mad Friars, obviously have a new podcast it's called bound for disappointment now when i saw the name for this i'm like oh my god that's such a padres podcast <laughs> bound for disappointment so they you just, know with
1: the title like that though you, you've only got one way to go right. and
0: that's up <laughs> you guys check it out if you, those of you who are still listening check it out it's bound for disappointment it's on anchor uh, it's Kevin Charity and Mark Wilkins from Mad Fires. They talk about the Padres, uh, other stuff, and horrible jobs, and not only just baseball. I think they mix up a little bit of uh, their own lives. Oh yeah, into that podcast. Well, we kind of do that with us too. We we do. Um, okay,
1: so I've got notes on here about the Yankees and stuff. I'm going to skip on that. I'm going to get right to the uh, the player tracker. I want to try yeah. to keep track of who's leaving the Padres organization, who's coming into the Padres organization, that kind of stuff. So we had a few deals get closed up. I think since last time we spoke. Dylan Coleman was sent to Kansas City to finish up the Trevor Rosenthal trade. Uh, these, there were three players to be named later that got settled. So Dylan Coleman, right-handed pitcher. He started the year in Lake Elsinore last year. He had his season cut down to injury, uh, but talented, right-handed, like six foot four, throws high 90s. Um, and then Junior Perez went to Oakland. He was the player to be named later from the Jorge Mateo trade. I don't believe he'd played stateside yet. He played okay. in the Dominican League. And then coming the other way, right-handed pitcher Matt Waldron was sent from Cleveland as the player to be named later in the Mike Clevenger trade. New Padres signings. The, so this time of year, we're seeing a whole bunch of minor league free agents signing all over the place. Yeah. So catcher Yoel Pozo, infielders Gosuke Kato and Nick Danielu, outfielder Jose Azokar, and right-handed pitcher Parker Markell. Now, Gosuke Kato went to Rancho Bernardo High School. Really? Yeah. Bringing so, the boy home. Yeah, bringing the boy home. <laughs> and then finally, former Padres signing elsewhere, Yonder Alonso retired. Jason yes. Vossler signed with the Giants. Michael Geddes is with the Red Sox now. Um, Gene Cosme, Chi Wei Hu, and Emmanuel Ramirez all signed with the Braves. And Hansel Rodriguez signed with the Angels.
0: So Emmanuel and Hansel are tough to lose. They I, are. I, you know, They're just we're going to be one of those late bloomer guys mm-hmm. and watch them come back and bite us in the tail.
1: Yeah, because we saw Emmanuel Ramirez the last couple of years up in Lake Elsinore. Yeah. He's one of these guys that has he throws everything in the kitchen sink. Yeah. And when he's on, he's on, but command issues. And then Hansel Rodriguez is a reliever, and it breaks my heart because I was at the game up in uh, Lancaster. It was a post; it, they were in the postseason hunt, and he broke his elbow on the pitching mound. Um, he there, it was a, a hairline fracture in his elbow. He actually showed me the MRI later on. I we, oh, really? yeah, when we found it, we were up in. Uh, in um, uh, where the Dodgers minor league team plays.
0: Rancho Ren- Le- Ren- Ren- Cucamonga.
1: Cucamonga, Cucamonga, Cucamonga. Yeah, and I saw him in the stands, and I went over, and I said, how's your elbow? And he pulled out his phone, and he showed me the, the MRI, and you could see where the fracture was. Oh. So he had screws and stuff put in, but he's been throwing. He's So he's back strong. So I'm glad that he's with the Angels, that he gets to continue his pro career. Because yeah. we were talking a while ago that a lot of these guys that are older minor leaguers, they might be losing their last opportunity to to
0: to play to, pro to ball. stick, Yeah, absolutely. The stick. Um, I don't know what's going on with with the dog, but oh, he probably put a toy down at your feet. <laughs> There's a toy to under my it. feet, so you hear us. It's not sasquatch. <laughs> I've been on a sasquatch kick lately. Have you been hunting for sasquatch? <laughs> no, we've gone on some hikes in you know mission and mission mission trails and. I don't think he comes down this far south. No, he he doesn't. He's up. I in, had, he's up
1: in the northwest league. <laughs> I had a a I had a teacher in community college in Portland that would actually go out into the woods and go looking for Sasquatch. And he, he brought one day he spent a whole lecture playing audio tapes and stuff. That he swore were Sasquatch calls That they were hearing out there uh, <laughs> like, I don't know what that is that's And probably he's a in for a public school a- that's yeah? not,
0: that's, That shouldn't be happening
1: <laughs> Your tax dollars at work Right
0: So does, it is a bummer to see Yonder Alonzo finally, um,
1: finally retire It's about time though I mean yeah. it's the last couple of years He hasn't been all that productive And so I'm glad that he came last I'd like to think that him being in San Diego Had something to do with Manny Machado going off Speaking of going off, copper's being noisy over here. I'm sorry. There's some,
0: like, there's a (laughs) raccoon under my feet. I don't know what's going on. Uh, That is, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. That's all I got. We're a couple days away from Thanksgiving. Uh, Folks, uh, please wear a mask. Please follow uh, guidelines. Please do what you can to get us baseball in spring. Like, we need baseball in spring. And unfortunately, it sounds like it's going to take a vaccine to, uh, to make it happen. Yeah, but we've got three vaccines in the works now. Yes. A- and we want everyone to be safe. And we want to see them at the ball ballpark. Either like Elsinore or at Petco. I'm hoping for spring training. I'm dying for spring training. I'm dying for baseball. We have the Australian League starting up soon. Uh, you can go watch some of the DR Um I think tonight when I get home, I'm going to buy the DR package. I need to sign up for that. Like, send, send me the link when you find it. 20 bucks. It. I, I will. Liddy tried to do it. She thought it was a little sketchy on her computer. It probably is. And that's a work computer, so <laughs> I'll probably do it on mine. Okay. Um, several Padres are playing still in the, in the DR. Um, friend of the podcast, Antonio Mateus. I can't remember Antonio from Venezuela. Oh, yes. There's a Padre player playing down in Venezuela right now. Um, Steve Wilson's killing it. He is. He's already got three saves yes. for though Yes. Yeah, go Steve Wilson. Yeah, so friend of the podcast, Steve Wilson's playing. So there's lots of uh, lots of baseball still to be watched, but we want baseball here in America. In so. the
1: meantime, we'll be staying alive.
0: We'll be staying alive. You can find me on Twitter at SD donovan. I am
1: at Zippy underscore TMS.
0: Okay, let's go find that <laughs> cooter, whatever the hell. <laughs> i going nowhere.